This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Donna Chavis. Thank you, Sid. I'm Donna Chavis, and I am glad that you have joined us today for Messianic Vision. Now, you may have heard the phrase, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Well, no one teaches these topics like our guest today. We're going to talk about some amazing prophetic information that's encoded in some of the Old Testament stories and specifically about the codes and mysteries of the feasts of Israel. Now, I don't know about you, but I say there is no one better to spend this time with than the one and only Perry Stone. Perry, thank you for joining us today. Hey, it's a great pleasure, and uh, always when I can be with Sid, I'm so excited because we're on the same tra- train track. <laughs> we go, we're going in the exact same direction, so I'm very excited about this. Well, thank you for your time. You know, I wanted to start with something because everybody knows you as a teacher, uh, just uh, of the prophetic, of the end times, of anything to do with Israel, and I saw something interesting when you sent some information back to me preparing for this program, that that recently in your meetings, there's been something a little different happening, uh, a, a supernatural encounter. Tell us about that. Um, the only way to describe this, it's, it's actually been taking place for about the past three years, and I don't say much about it even, but when it occurs in a church setting or in a conference, everybody senses it. it it's literally... There's not a person there that did not sense the atmosphere shift. And it, it is an angelic presence. And I know I'm always careful talking about this because, uh, you know, the Bible even teaches be careful talking about the sacred things before people who will mock it. But I yes. his audience is very, very much aware of the supernatural realm that God has. But what happens is um, I will be standing, uh, this is, I'm saying, this is normally the way it happens. But I'll be standing on the platform and just moving with the service, and then suddenly on the right side, it's always the right, never the left, there'll be the presence of the Lord, but it's not an inward presence. An angelic presence is always felt outside the body. The Holy Spirit is always felt within. So there's a great difference, and this is one of the ways you can tell whether it's just a moving of the Holy Spirit or it's an outward presence. But there's an angelic presence that comes, and the odd thing is, the hair on the right side of my body stands completely. Nothing <laughs> happens on the left side. And that's how I know it is there. And then I can't describe what happens, but there's a different anointing. And then a lot of times there'll be a word from the Lord, like a word of knowledge or something, a prophetic word that is very detailed. The other week, and this is just a few weeks ago, in Hamilton, Ohio, uh, the Princeton Pike Church of God, I came in to preach on Sunday night. Now, there's a man that travels with me named Robbie James, and uh, he's been traveling with me for many years. And I said, oh, my goodness, Robbie, the presence is here. And for the first time, he felt it, too. And it would stand to one side of him. This is an angel. Stand to one side of him. And he and he, he looked at me. He said, oh, my goodness. He said, I've heard you talk about this. <laughs> but then the anointing shifted, and I preached a revelation and without notes. 
it started coming to me like a download. The only way I could describe it is like turning a computer on and bam, all this information floods your screen. You know, you're suddenly seeing it. And I preached a message on the glory of God, uh, beginning with Moses. And the spirit, when this happens, when this angelic presence is there, there is an entire different uh, flow of the anointing. See, it's just like in John's Gospel at the Pool of Bethesda. The angel came down at a certain season, and the moment he showed up, there was a healing presence there. And the first one that got in was healed. That's the Bible. And so, uh, and, and angels, when they when they come, they come to minister because they're ministering spirits, and they they it, it literally changes the entire atmosphere. And there's two ways that angels come. The Bible says that uh, angels desire to look into the preaching of the gospel. So there are always uh, with the Holy Spirit angelic presence that are watching the word being preached, and I think they're amazed at salvation, and they're amazed at how the blood of Christ can transform a life. But then there are ministering spirits, and they go forth to minister. And when this uh, happened in Ohio, I mean, the the atmosphere shifted. It Everybody was in the altar, and I had to fly back home, so I left. And people were weeping and travailing because when when that presence comes, um, you don't you don't get a lot of shouting and rejoicing. You get awesomeness of God. You get the fear of the Lord comes in the building. The holiness of God comes in the building. It, 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 it's like when Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Then he saw the seraphim uh, flying and crying holy. Then he started realizing, I'm a man of unclean lips. Here's a prophet saying that. So when the, when the, I can say this, I guess, being from the background I'm from, but people can sometimes try to worship over top of their own problems and just bypass it and never deal with it. But when this presence comes, it starts showing you who you really are. It starts exposing what's in your heart, and it leads to repentance. And I think that's one of the great things about this manifestation that you see is that it just brings a church or a body or the attendees at that moment into realizing who God really is. He's not some cosmic buddy. He's not a cosmic Santa Claus. I mean, he is the God, the creator, that Paul even said he's like a flame of fire, you know, and, and Paul even feared the judgment. And here's Paul, you know, he's the greatest, he's the great apostle. Of course, yes. In letters of the New Testament. But he understands there is a fear of the Lord that comes with that, that supernatural, which is normal because uh, it causes people to realize who God is in his, I guess the old timers would say, it, in the holiness character of God, where he desires to impart righteousness in people, to separate them from all those things that are hindering them or binding them. But yeah, this has been happening, and I'll be honest with you, when it happens, even with me, and here I've been preaching 41 years, there's a, there's a great uh, awesome awesomeness awareness of God that just overwhelms you. And, and, and again, it's not every service. I may go a month or two or three months and there's not a manifestation. And then all of a sudden there, I mean, you'll be up talking and preaching and right there on the right side, you feel the presence and it just, and then he speaks into my right ear. It's always the right ear. It's never the left. Now, someone might be able to explain, explain that to me. You know, someone said, well, Jesus sits on the right hand of God. So maybe that's the reason, Yeah. you know, you always hear it from the right side. And what what types of things do you hear in these moments, Perry? Uh, you say he speaks into your right ear. Like what what types of words? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes uh, there will be a direct word for that body or for someone there that is a heavy word of knowledge. Let's say one time there was a minister. This is an example, and uh, it happened. And I looked at him. 
Now, I knew this fellow, but I didn't know this. I said, you are a traveling minister, but you're getting tired of traveling. You've told the Lord you want to spend time with your family. And I go through this whole thing. It's coming into me. I'm hearing it mm-hmm. just like you whisper in my ear, and I'm repeating what I'm hearing. And then uh, I start talking to him about uh, we're gonna, there will be a school one day, and you're going you're gonna to be teaching at the school. And I was talking about a school we're going to start. Well, nothing was happening then. But now we have uh, ISO International School of the Word. This guy is one of our teachers, one of our great instructors. And uh, everything has come to pass that was, was spoken over him. Uh, and this would have been – it's been about three years ago. And so it, it, a lot of times it's that or there will be a warning for the nation. Um, I've had from time to time where the word of the Lord would come through uh, the prophetic gift, which uh, prophecy is inspired utterance. That can be either to comfort and edify people, or it can be uh, an utterance for the future. And I've had that happen on several occasions when that presence would come. It really started, and I'll say this real quick, but it really started when Jensen Franklin, who's a great minister, and I went to Romania together, and we were hindered the first service. They tore the posters down. We knew that it was just a a big hindrance. And we were up till 3 in the morning, and in the hotel room, um, which was very dark, the, the entire room started lighting up. You could see pictures on the wall, and the angel of the Lord came, and we were weeping and crying. And he even told me the other day on the phone, I said, do you remember this? He said, oh, do I remember it? He said, where he would walk, your, the hair on your body would stand up where he was. Like it, it may be from your knee down. It may be from your knee up. It may be your, your, your arm. But where he stood, you knew there was a presence there because of the, what happened on your physical body. There was that manifestation. But that angel went with us, and we had the greatest moves of God that they said in the history of any evangelistic uh, meeting that had been held in Romania, and to God be the glory. So that's that's what uh, usually happens when that particular manifestation takes place. My goodness, I had never heard anything like that um, connected with you. You know, the, the, the teaching, the prophecy, the end times, the Israel um, uh, words that you have. And I just, you know, that's always been so great. And then when you were telling us about this, I said, oh, I have to I have to hear a little bit about that. So if you go hear Perry Stone, any of you listening, if you go hear Perry Stone, you're going to get all the wonderful teaching and uh, prophetic um, words that he has and possibly even an angelic presence along to minister to your needs. So anyway, uh, wow, Perry, that's amazing. Well, when I started studying this book that we're offering on this program today, uh, Perry, I was just amazed because uh, you're, you, this is right up your alley. This is what you do. This is how you connect the dots for people. Right. But I was just intrigued as we went along here. Um, and now the name of the book is Breaking the Code of the Feast. What are people going to learn in this book? One of the things that I really enjoy t- t- teaching. Now, a lot of people, and I know Sid's audience has heard teachings on the feast, but there are there are certain codes. I call them codes that are inside of the festivals themselves. Now, let's go into one here that I often uh, comment on when the subject comes up. Okay. We we believe, and I said believes, that the, the Lord's coming and that everything that's happening in Israel and around the world is a sign of the return of the Lord. Now, one of the theological terms, and it's only a theological term, it's not in, you know, in the English translation of the Bible, that is used to describe the return of the Lord for the saints and for the resurrection of that in Christ is the word rapture, which is a word that 
comes out of the Latin translation of the Bible from First Thessalonians 4, we shall be caught up. Yes. When St. Jerome translated the Greek word, he translated it to Latin. It's where we get the word rapture from, just from that translation. But in that event, people will often say, well, you cannot find that a picture of that event anywhere in the Torah. And the festivals, the seven festivals of Israel— uh, are found in the five books of Moses, which mm-hmm. is the Torah. Yes. Well, that's actually a, 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 a misunderstanding or a lack of information because the pattern of the rapture is is in what I call the Exodus Code, which is you know detailed there in the book, and that is that in the in this in the Exodus Code you will go to Exodus chapter nineteen, and in Exodus chapter nineteen. It is where Moses and God are going to meet. And when you go into 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians 15, Revelation 4, verse 1, all right, we take all those scriptures, we put them together, and then we go to Exodus 19. We find that Moses, uh, and I'll just give you just a couple of verses. It says that there was the voice of a trumpet waxing loud and long. Now, in in rabbinical or Jew, Jewish teaching, I like to say Jewish teaching, not just rabbinical teaching, but in their teaching, that's called the Tekiah HaGodolah, which is the sound of a shofar, which is the loudest and the longest blast. And it happens to be also the final sound of the shofar on the Festival of Trumpets. On the Feast of Trumpets, there's 100 sounds of a shofar. And the last one is called the Tekiah HaGodolah, and that is when... The person who's blowing the shofar takes a huge, a deep breath and just blows nonstop as loud and long as he can. Mm-hmm. That's called also the last trumpet, Yes, the last trumpet sound. And Paul said, we'll be changed at the sound of the last trump. So that's not an illusion, for example, to Revelation about the seven angels and the seventh trumpet of the angel, which some people who are more mid-trip or post-trip believe. That is actually uh, a reference to the understanding of on the Festival of Trumpets, the, that's the last trumpet that sounds. Now, going back to Exodus 19, when the, when the sound of the trumpet was waxed loud and long, it says this, the Lord came down and Moses went up. Yes. Now, there is the First Thessalonians chapter 4, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. There's Exodus 19 again with a shout, the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God. There's your shofar. There's your trump. The dead in Christ arise first. We who are alive remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Sinai was so high, it even says that there was a cloud on top of, of the mountain where the people could not see. All they could see is the lightning and hear the thunder uh, on top of the mountain. And so if a person details Exodus 19, which we have done, then you'll discover that that particular, as I call it, a code, it reveals or conceals the revelation of the rapture. Now, here's something that's really, this is really cool. When the Apostle Paul was converted on the road to Damascus, he left Damascus, and according to the book of Galatians, he went into the desert of Arabia, and he spent a lot of time researching the revelation of Jesus Christ, and it was there uh, and, and he talks about this himself. If, we, if you go to Galatians, you can read it. Uh, he talks about the revelation of the mystery that was made known to him in the book of Ephesians. God revealed to him seven mysteries. And those seven mysteries are in the New Testament writings of the 14 
letters Paul wrote if we assume he wrote the book of Hebrews, which I personally believe he did, because he had the Jewish mind to be able to write that book being a former Pharisee. Now, in those letters, uh, you know, his first letter he wrote, because the Bible is not in a chronological order, the first letter Paul wrote was 1 Thessalonians, of which he revealed uh, and, of course, it wasn't in chapters and verses back then. It was one letter. But it, when they divided it into chapters later, in each chapter, he talks about the coming of the Lord. And in chapter 4, he talks about the sound of the trumpet, the being called up to meet the Lord in the air. So he talks about that in chapter 4. So his first letter is to reveal the return of the Lord, and he does it with the shout, the trump, go, and catching up. Now, that refers to – this is interesting. Let's tie it together – that alludes to Exodus 19. It's the same picture of the trumpet sounding, Moses going up, lightning in the clouds. He's coming with the clouds of glory, etc. So Paul in Galatians says this, Mount Sinai, and we know where, where was Moses in Exodus 19? He was on Mount Sinai. Right. That's clear from the scripture. Right. So God is coming down on Mount Sinai. The trumpet is being heard on Mount Sinai. The cloud is on Mount Sinai. The Lord comes down and Moses goes up on Mount Sinai. Here's what's cool. Paul's first revelation, one of his great revelations, was the rapture of the church, which was hid in generations gone by because the Gentiles had to be grafted into the covenant, which they were in Acts chapter 10. That's Cornelius and his house, the first Gentiles. The Gentiles had to be grafted into the covenant before God would reveal the revelation of the rapture to the church. And there's a whole teaching behind that. So here's what Paul says in Galatians. Paul says, Mount Sinai in Arabia. And he previously tells you in Galatians, he went to Arabia. Some scholars say it may have been between a year to three years, and he received the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Paul goes to Mount Sinai in Arabia, the same mountain that Moses was on in Exodus 19 with the giving of the law, and instead of getting more law that Moses got, Paul gets the revelation of the coming of the Lord, the revelation in Romans 11 of the uh, natural olive tree, which is Israel, and the wild tree, which is the Gentiles, the revelation in 1 Corinthians 15 of the, um, the resurrection of the dead, and he did it on the same mountain where Moses received the law, which is Mount Sinai. Yes. And when you tie that together, then you really do realize, wait a minute, Exodus, the giving of the law in Exodus 19 is the picture of the catching away of the saints. And uh, there's other verses, of course, you have to tie in with that as well. But we, you were talking about a moment ago about the book that we that we just we're, we're uh, you're releasing there. It's called Breaking the Code of the Feast. This, I mean, this is the kind of thing that you know people are going to get in the book where they're going to get a little bit more detail, right? Than, than just your normal uh, festival teaching that they've heard, mo you know, most of their lives. So. That's what I was going to say, Perry. That's just a tiny little taste uh, of the reason that you said you even wrote this book was to explain the past and future prophetic events that are hidden or encoded in the feast. Okay, let me ask you this. I know through Moses, as you were just saying, God established and ordained for all time all time, these seven festivals are feasts. So he ordained them. Uh, for those that may not know, will you just give us a quick little overview of the seven feasts that we're talking about and just if, what's significant about them? First was Passover. And then following Passover would be unleavened bread. And following unleavened bread is first fruits. 
And really, the unleavened bread is celebrated for the entire week of seven days. But these, the, the, each one of these, and I'll, I'll get to a little bit more detail in a moment. Then you have uh, Pentecost, and then for about four months later, approximately, you come into the three fall festivals, and they occur on the uh, seventh month on the Jewish calendar, and that would be um, the, the trumpets. Trumpets today is known as Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year. But trumpets, and then 10 days later, on the 10th day of the seventh month is the Day of Atonement, and then five days later uh, begins a seven-day celebration, which is known as Tabernacles. Now, the interesting thing is this, that the festivals also conceal the entire history and plan of God through the Messiah. And this is one of the ways um, that if, uh, let's say, for example, if someone is listening to me and they're, they're a devout Jew and they understand the festivals, this is how the Lord established these festivals through the Messiah to help prove that uh, Yeshua or Christ, Jesus as we call him, was and is the Messiah. Passover is the time when Moses took the blood of the lamb, applied it to the left post, the right post, and the top post of the door. And it defeated the death angel from destroying the firstborn. Now, if we go forward in time, Jesus is crucified near Passover. There is a cross on the left, a cross on the right, and he is in the cross in the middle. There's your three markings that you find a picture of and the imagery of in Exodus chapter 12 at the first Passover. They, you find out that the blood on the door defeated death, but they ate the lamb inside the home, and it brought healing to their body. Yes. And so there we see Jesus, which by his stripes we are healed. Right, that right. That whipping post. And then we see at the crucifixion, he defeated uh, death and sin. So there was a two-part atonement in Exodus 12, which was deliverance uh, from, the, the, from death and healing. The atonement that Jesus provides in the New Testament is the exact same. It is a healing atonement. It's a salvation atonement, freedom from sin and death, defeating death. That's Passover. Now, when you come to the to, uh, the end of Passover, the next day, you have what's called unleavened bread, in which there was no leaven uh, in the bread when the children of Israel came out. So that is leaven in the uh, New Testament is a picture of sin. And so Jesus Christ was sinless. He that knew no sin took upon himself our sin so that we could be made the righteousness of God. But in the tomb, he is the sinless, spotless lamb of God in the sense of he carried our sin, but he himself knew no sin. So unleavened bread means that he was the perfect sacrifice. Then we come to first fruits, which is the day following uh, unleavened bread. And first fruits in in the natural sense was when the high priest would come out of the temple and there was a little barley field that used to sit right outside the gate. And he would go into the field with his beautiful priestly garment on. He would find the first ripened grain. He would cut it and then he would present that before the Lord uh, on a fire at the temple and he would offer a lamb. So he would present a lamb with the first fruits grain. Now, Jesus, it tells us, actually, he is raising from the dead about the time of first fruits, and he is called the first fruits of those that slept. Those that slept would be, in, in that time, the Old Testament saints. Now, the Bible says when Christ rose from the dead, rose from the dead, that there were seen walking the streets many of the saints which slept. So Christ brought out of the grave those Old Testament saints, and when he did, many of them were seen for a brief period of time at the same time when Christ was resurrected. Now, those are called the first fruits of the resurrection. Now, here's the interesting thing about the law of first fruits as it relates to the resurrection. Now, what happens is, and this is really neat, when the 
barley, first fruits of the barley is removed from the field, then God sanctifies the rest of the field for a later harvest. So if the Lord took the Old Testament saints, which he did, to heaven out of the bowels of the earth, Luke 16 tells us about this, out of Abraham's bosom, the bowels of the earth, took the souls and spirits and brought them out and took them to the heavenly paradise, then that means that if they have been resurrected, we will be resurrected also. Yes. So that portion that he took was only to prepare the first fruits for the rest of the field. And the field here representing those who are dead in Christ and those who will be living at the return of the Lord. So that means if he took the first fruits to, to the Father, the rest of the field will be presented to the Father one day. And that happens when he returns and we are changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye and the dead in Christ rise. And together we meet them in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord, according to the words of the Apostle Paul. So there's your first fruits. So yes. thing in the first three spring feasts, deal with the Messiah and his redemptive plan as the Lamb of God. Now, Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, is unequivocally the birth of the church. No one can deny that's very right. clear from the Scripture. And no one can deny that. And so the, that, that, that's, that's a very powerful thought there. So the church is born on the festival of Pentecost. Now, I want to go ahead to the fall festivals because this is where it gets very interesting. Let's go back to some statements that the Lord made. He said, I am Alpha and I'm the Omega. I am the beginning and I am the end. So as the Alpha, we, we know that Jesus, when he came the first time, is identified as the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of the world. Yes. But later in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, he is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah that has prevailed. And then in Revelation chapter 19, when he returns from heaven back to earth, he's coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's coming back on that white stallion with many crowns on his head. Now, here's, here's what's interesting. The spring festivals deal with Jesus as the Lamb, because as the lamb, he suffered. Okay, so let's go back over. He's crucified near Passover. He's in the grave at unleavened bread. He is seen uh, at first fruits with the, you know, as the saints. He's, he's brought those Old Testament saints out of the grave, according to Matthew. So that's the redemptive part. That's the lamb part. That's the suffering part. Now the Holy Spirit is on the earth as we preach the gospel, as we preach about the Messiah, as we see people one to Christ through a redemptive covenant. Now we're heading toward between Pentecost, we're at Pentecost now, but we're heading toward trumpets, which is a picture of the catching away of the saints, mm -hmm. atonement, which is a picture of the great tribulation, and then we come to tabernacles, which is the kingdom in which the Messiah will rule for a thousand years, according to Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 4. Hey, Perry. Now. Let me stop you right there before we start talking about the fall feast in a little bit more detail. We're going to have to take a really quick break. But yeah, yeah, yeah. For those that are listening, Perry believes that you will be amazed, as you have just heard, to see how God has concealed um, events to be understood by our generation now and the things that are happening to us. So before we take a quick break, I want to tell you about a special package that we have prepared just for you. It's Perry's book, Breaking the Code of the Feast and an exclusive three CD teaching series. And you'll also get absolutely free a bonus CD from Perry entitled Revealing God's Glory. 
So as Perry breaks the codes and reveals the mysteries of the Feast of Israel, you're going to see how God has detailed future events in the feast. And that's pretty exciting. So when we come back, we're going to talk more about the prophetic messages in the feast and do a little more code breaking with Perry Stone. So don't miss it. Call now and get Perry Stone's powerful revelatory book, Breaking the Code of the Feasts, plus his three-part audio CD teaching series, Mysteries of the Feasts, plus his bonus audio CD teaching, Revealing God's Glory. This is an exclusive offer for our rich supernatural audience, yours, for a donation of $39. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9556. In this groundbreaking yet easy to understand revelatory book, Breaking the Code of the Feasts, and the anointed three-part audio CD teaching series, Mysteries of the Feasts. Perry Stone will share with you amazing insights into the prophetic layers that encode the future. You will see how God has detailed future events in the fall feasts and celebrations of Israel. Topics include God's best kept secret concerning the future prophetic events that will impact planet Earth, the progression of Revelation, the Exodus Code, the Tribulation Code in Gideon's story, prophetic secrets hidden in the parables, the Armageddon Code hidden in the book of Esther, the future hidden in the fall feasts of Israel, the awesome revelation discovered in Genesis 22, and so much more. You will also receive Perry Stone's bonus audio CD, Revealing God's Glory. In this teaching, Perry addresses the questions, what is the glory of God? What happens when the glory of God arises? How can we tap into the glory of God? When you listen to that CD, you will see the glory of God. It is important to understand this teaching to better prepare you for the tsunami of God's glory about to invade planet Earth. If you are really concerned about the future and if you really want to know what's going to happen, this is an instruction manual for the last days, for the end time, and for Bible prophecy. It's important that right now you get this entire series because it's going to open your eyes to insight and revelation that you need to hear in this day and in this season. Don't miss out on getting Perry Stone's powerful revelatory book, Breaking the Code of the Feasts, plus his three-part audio CD teaching series, Mysteries of the Feasts, plus his bonus audio CD teaching, Revealing God's Glory. This is an exclusive offer for our rich supernatural audience, yours for a donation of $39. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9556. Call or you can send your check to Sid Roth. It's Supernatural, P.O. Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. Please specify offer number 9556 or log on to sidroth.org. Call or write today. Welcome back to Messianic Vision. I'm Donna Chavis, and I am here with Perry Stone, and we are having a great time talking about breaking the codes of the Feast of Israel. Now, Perry, I have to tell you, when I was studying this, the thing that really got me, I understand about observing things of the past, you know, the ceremony, the traditions, and how important that is to, to keep those things, you know, real in our lives. The thing that just got me so much is... I did not realize, I did not understand the how prophetic they were to uh, teaching us how to discover uh, future events, not just past events and not that we just observe them now, but actually future events. So that really, really was amazing to me. And um, you know what? We were talking about the, the seven feasts. And you had gotten through the first four when we went to break. Talk to me a little bit about the fall feast, the three fall feasts left, and then we'll move on. A person has to remember that God put these festivals in a particular order. 
and you cannot you can't change the order for example it's impossible to have pentecost until you have passover yes what do i mean by that well jesus taught that the holy spirit is a gift for the believer you cannot be baptized in the holy spirit until you're first born again so the born again experience is passover and it's the same thing with the fall festivals um let me just share something here as we I'll, I'll give you the three of what I think they represent prophetically okay. and then I'll go into something that's real important. Okay. The the next festival in divine order would be uh trumpets. And of course in the time of Christ and even in the time of before that what we call the Old Testament era, they did not know when this festival actually began because you had to begin the month when two witnesses would see the very silver sliver of the moon, and they would two witnesses would go before the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin, the high priest, and say, "We've seen the moon sanctified," and then that's when you began the month. So you you did not know when this one began. Thus, no one knew the day or the hour. <laughs> you know, we hear Jesus make that statement. That is a picture, without a doubt, of what I, I term, and again, I'm going to use a theological term: the gathering together or the rapture of the church is seen in the trumpets. Then you come to the Day of Atonement. Now, on the Day of Atonement, it was a time when God was to judge Israel to see if they were worthy to be forgiven or were their sins to be uh, retained on them. And they offered two goats. They transferred the sins of the goat. They put one into the wilderness and pushed it off a cliff later. The one one was sacrificed uh, on the altar. Uh, there was fasting all day long. It was It was a time of very travail and heaviness until... Um, supernaturally, a red thread on the temple door uh, would turn white, and that's how they would know. It's according to, of course, Jewish history. They would know their sins had been forgiven when the scarlet thread would turn white, and that's in Isaiah 1. Yes. Your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Though they'll be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Then that represents the Great Tribulation period. And during the Tribulation, it's real interesting because on the Day of Atonement, there's three types of people. There's the saved. Or the, or the ones who are right with God. Let's say it this way. Let's, let's say it the way the, the devout Jewish people teach it. There's righteous people, unrighteous people, and the in-between. And the in-between are people that, well, they, they believe in God. They believe in the Bible. They believe in the prophets and talk about it, but they don't really follow through. The righteous do the work of God. They pray. They seek. They give. They give charity. The unrighteous are just sinners and don't care anything about God. And, the, and then there's the in-between. So on the Day of Atonement... God seals the judgment for the unrighteous and says, okay, are you going to serve me or not? That's where they determine it. Those who are in between have to determine, are you going to serve or not serve? And the righteous, of course, are sealed. And all of this can be found in the imagery of the New Testament writers, how that the believers are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's the righteous group. Then in the book of Revelation, it says men repented not of their deeds. That's the unrighteous group. And then in Revelation 7, you have those who make their robes white with the blood of the Lamb, meaning, by implication, of course, that they were not righteous, but they began to repent and turn to God and were made righteous because they trusted in the blood of the Lamb. So those three imageries are seen in the book of Revelation yes. uh, on the Day of Atonement. So the Day of Atonement is the, is the imagery of the tribulation period. Now, when we come to the um, uh, tabernacles, tabernacles is a celebration where Jews and Gentiles come together. It is also called the seasons of our joy. 
It is dancing. It is singing. It is celebration. It is shofars. It is tambourines. It is banners. It is just uh, a party. It's a party. That's what I started to say. It's a party. That's really, that's really what it is. That is absolutely the imagery in Revelation 20 of the millennial kingdom. And, of course, millennial is not a, a biblical word. It's a word that theologians use to describe the 1,000-year millennial, the 1,000-year reign of Christ, of which there will be peace on earth. They'll beat their swords into plowshares. The wolf will lay down beside the lamb. Uh, a child can play in a, a poisonous snake's den and not fear of getting bitten. Satan is bound for a thousand years. Uh, it's a season of peace. Yes. And, of course, there will be tribulation survivors, and the world will, re- will repopulate itself. During the thousand years, the saints will rule with Christ in Jerusalem. And so that's a, ta- the t- tabernacles are, are the seasons of joy. I say, now, the festivals cannot be broken. There's no way you could put atonement before trumpets. There's no way you could put tabernacles before atonement. It can't happen. Just like you, Jesus had to die, then he was in the tomb, and then he was resurrected at first fruits. You can't have the first fruits first. It, it, the order, God is such a God of divine order, even in the festivals, that he, he does not shift the order. Yeah, the, you know what, Perry, there's a thought that, that you teach on uh, talking about divine order that you said divine order reveals the future. So that divine order is so important. Yeah, it does. It does. And so what happens is we're at Passover. We're at Pentecost. Pentecost is the church age or dispensation of the grace of God, dispensation of the church age. We're moving from that to trumpets. So the next the next event on God's prophetic calendar has to be the sounding of trumpets. Yes. Well, the only trumpet in order is not the seven trumpets of the angel in Revelation. It's the trumpet of God of 1 Thessalonians 4. So the coming of the Lord for the overcoming saints has to be the next thing. And then we come into great tribulation. Then at the end of tribulation, we come into the millennial reign. And that's actually the order. This is how I see it. Revelation 4.1, I heard a voice like a trumpet saying, come up. And immediately I was in the spirit. There's the, there's the imagery of the rapture. Then we come into the tribulation. In Revelation 19, you come into the millennial kingdom. So if, if, you, if you take the festivals... And you break them down in prophetic detail, because you were saying a moment ago, you know, a lot of people know about the the spring feast and how you know Christ fulfilled those, and, right. and they still honor those. Right. But in the in the, uh, in the fall festivals, all of the prophetic events, because I said earlier on the program that Jesus re- is represented in the spring festivals as the lamb, but he is represented in the fall festivals as the lion. So as the lamb, he suffered, but as the lion of the tribe of Judah, he's king. So all the festivals in the fall point to uh, Yeshua the Messiah as being the king of uh, of the world, the king of the universe, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. So the first the first festi- festivals, first three, Passover, Unleavened Bread, and First Fruits, are identifying us in our relationship with Him as our Redeemer. But we come to the fall festivals; we are kings and priests. Yes. Him. Yes. <laughs> King, kings of Lord of Lords. And it's interesting, it calls him the lion, lion of the tribe of Judah, who's, who prevails in Revelation chapter 5 to open that seven-sealed book that no one else is worthy to open. But he, he became worthy because he suffered and died as the lamb and defeated sin and death. That's what makes him worthy. But he's opened that sealed book to prepare himself to become the king and the line of the tribe of Judah. And he will, according to, uh, you know, even the prophet Zechariah, chapters 12, 13, and 14, if a person wants to really get, you know, see what's going to happen in the future, those are three great chapters. They call 
They call the book of Zechariah the mini-apocalypse of the Old Testament. It's almost a parallel to the book of Revelation. Well, I told everybody it was going to be exciting, so that's pretty exciting to me. Uh, (laughs) The feasts, you know, just to sum it up, the feasts are God's ultimate prophetic code, concealing details of Jesus from the first feast to the last feast. And I, I just have to... I have to make a confession. That that statement came from you, Perry. I just thought I would say it so people would think I was really smart. <laughs> so, I mean, to me, like I said earlier, I was just amazed at how much I learned in this because I did not know the prophetic part. And as you've just described in the three, the fall feast, you know, that's the prophetic part. So we can learn so much. Yeah. Now, what lessons? There... Why even have the feast? What lessons is God trying to tell us through these feasts? Well, I tried to, I tried to go through, you know, um, the whole teaching and say, okay, what is all of this really, really about, you know? Um, and basically, I think I came up with three three words, and they all begin with the letter P. The first yes. is provision, and the second is protection, and the third uh, is is promise. And, uh, you know, it would, take me, it would take me a long time to try to divide all these up, but let me just talk about one or two of them if I can. The, the, the festivals of Israel deal with the provision of God. Now, not only that, but Passover, the very first one, the blood of the lamb on the doorpost kept the death angel out. And so death is defeated in the life of a person who has a redemptive covenant through Christ mm-hmm. because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So the blood is our protection and of course, thirdly and finally is the promise. And the, the the reason I say that the festivals are a promise is because we have the promise of trumpets, which is coming. Yes. Well, let's go back. You have the promise of redemption through Christ. That's a promise. You can be saved. That's a promise. You believe. You have the promise of the Holy Spirit at, at uh, Pentecost. Uh, Repent, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you, your children, and to all that are far off. Far off Acts chapter two. So there's a promise there, and we come to the promise of the hope of his coming. Yes, yes. The promise of his return. Uh, even Peter said people would mock in the last day, saying, where's the promise of his coming? So the, so the coming of the Lord is a promise to believers. So there, that's tied into tabernacles, and mm-hmm. we have the promise of the Lord returning to earth to rule and reign. So in this whole theme of these seven, uh, they call them Moedim, festivals, celebrations, uh, uh, appointed times is another phrase. In these seven, you will find, you know, of course, the provision of God. You'll provide promises of protection. And today it's through the blood of Christ, through the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And then we find the promise of what will happen, um, the different promises of salvation, the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Lord, the promise of ruling and reigning. Yes. Him. So I'm just saying it this way. People need to study in detail the festivals. I totally agree, and I think that's a wonderful place. They really do conceal everything in them, and that's that's why we're Sid's making available this book on uh, breaking the code of the feast, because they're going, they're going to discover a lot of great things in that book that they probably, well, they may not have realized before. Well, happy <laughs> for myself, as you know, here um, at, at Sid Roth's ministry, um, we producers read a lot of books. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, 
<laughs> to say the least. And, you know, working for a, a Jewish uh, organization, you know, we learn a lot about some of these things. But literally, like I said, I knew about the ceremony. I knew about the tradition. I knew about the importance of holding these and, and continuing to observe these things. But I did not grasp the prophetic in it. So, Let's stop right here and just I'll say, uh, as Perry was just saying, um, these feasts, these festivals reveal to us three main things uh, from the first to the last, God's protection, God's provision, and God's promise. I just have to say, wow, that's a lot. And I know this is a lot to take in, especially in the short time that we have with Perry today. But if you want to discover and understand more about the future prophetic events in the feast, then Sid and I definitely want to encourage you to get this resource today. Once again, it's Perry's book, Breaking the Code of the Feast, and his exclusive three CD teaching series. And this package will also include absolutely free to you a bonus CD that Perry has prepared called Revealing God's Glory. Well, I know you've been waiting for it. So when we come back, Perry answers the question that everyone wants to know the answer to. Just where are we prophetically? We'll be right back. Only someone like Perry Stone, who understands Israel, the Jewish roots, and studied the Bible for over 80,000 hours and has a supernatural gift of teaching, can help you unlock and understand the appointed times of the seven feasts of Israel so you can be prepared for the end time events about to occur on planet Earth. Call now and get Perry Stone's powerful revelatory book, Breaking the Code of the Feasts, plus his three-part audio CD teaching series, Mysteries of the Feasts, plus his bonus audio CD teaching revealing God's glory. This is an exclusive offer for our rich supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $39. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9556. In this groundbreaking yet easy to understand revelatory book, Breaking the Code of the Feasts, and the anointed three-part audio CD teaching series, Mysteries of the Feasts, Perry Stone will share with you amazing insights into the prophetic layers that encode the future. You will see how God has detailed future events in the fall feasts and celebrations of Israel. Topics include God's best kept secret concerning the future prophetic events that will impact planet Earth, the progression of Revelation, the Exodus Code, the Tribulation Code in Gideon's story, prophetic secrets hidden in the parables, the Armageddon Code hidden in the book of Esther, the future hidden in the fall feasts of Israel, the awesome revelation discovered in Genesis 22, and so much more. You will also receive Perry Stone's bonus audio CD, Revealing God's Glory. In this teaching, Perry addresses the questions, what is the glory of God? What happens when the glory of God arises? How can we tap into the glory of God? Also, Perry's free bonus CD, and as far as I'm concerned, there is revelation knowledge in this CD. I don't believe even Perry Stone knew. He literally had an angel whispering in his ear on this service, and the presence of God is so amazing. And I think when you listen to that CD, you will see the glory of God. It is important to understand this teaching to better prepare you for the tsunami of God's glory about to invade planet Earth. If you are really concerned about the future and if you really want to know what's going to happen and you want to know the mysteries of God, let me tell you, this is an instruction manual for the last days, for the end time, and for Bible prophecy. It's important that right now you get this entire series because it's going to open your eyes to 
insight and revelation that you need to hear in this day and in this season. Don't miss out on getting Perry Stone's powerful revelatory book, Breaking the Code of the Feasts, plus his three-part audio CD teaching series, Mysteries of the Feasts, plus his bonus audio CD teaching, Revealing God's Glory. This is an exclusive offer for our It's Supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $39. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9556. Call or you can send your check to Sid Roth. It's Supernatural. P.O. Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. Please specify offer number 9556 or log on to sidroth.org. Call or write today. Welcome back to Messianic Vision. I am sure you're enjoying listening to Perry Stone today. And before we went to break, I said Perry is going to answer the question, where are we prophetically? Perry? Well, we mentioned this earlier, but let me emphasize it. If, if we look at what the New Testament teaches us, we have the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, where the Holy Spirit came. Now, some call this the dispensation of the grace of God, or others call it the uh, the church age. But we are now in where the the Greek language is how the New Testament was written, and the word church is ecclesia, and that's the called out ones. Where we're at now is the church consists of both uh, Gentiles and Jews that have become one new man under the Messiah, and we are declaring the gospel of the kingdom. That's Matthew 24, verse 14, around the world. And because we are doing this, we're in what we call the church age or the dispensation of the grace of God. Now, this dispensation of the church age or the dispensation of the grace of God will conclude, and when it concludes, that's when the tribulation is introduced to the world, because God does not appoint us to wrath, according to Scripture, but to obtain salvation through His Son. And the tribulation being the wrath of God means that there's a transition. Now, that transition will occur when God sees the next season festival come. Now, I'm not talking about next year, this fall, next fall, but in the prophetic order, it has to be the festival of trumpets. So we're living between Pentecost and trumpets, and this is when Jesus said this, why do you say four months then cometh harvest, looking into the field now because they're ripe to harvest? There's about a four-month period from, Pente- uh, from Pentecost to trumpets, and this four-month period is harvest time. So our goal, uh, I think one of the questions we're going to discuss is what, what, how does this apply to us as believers? Our goal is to do one thing, preach the truth, preach the word, preach the gospel of the kingdom, and win as many people to Christ as possible because the only, only, Christianity is the only faith, only religion. I don't even like to call it a religion because it's a relationship, but I say that for secular listeners. Christianity is the only religion that has a guarantee of eternal life. No other religion guarantees that. There, every other religion, well, if you do good works, well, if you do the right thing, well, if you do this and this, maybe. Mm-hmm. Christianity is not that way. You can know where you're going when this life is over, and it's through the Messiah. It's through Christ. And the Lord set so many patterns, so many what we call types and shadows and pictures of the Messiah through what we call the Old Testament that are revealed under the New Testament or the New Covenant that you cannot deny he was the one who was sent from God to redeem mankind. And when a, that's our job. So our job, yes. job, all of our jobs, Sid's job is to, to preach this truth that the eyes of people's understanding will be open and they will receive the Messiah so that when he returns, they'll be ready to meet him. They will not be ashamed at the coming of the Lord. Paul talked about that. 
that when they stand before him, he'll, he'll, they will hear uh, him say, well done, enter faithful servant into the kingdom. And that's what we need to strive for, because this earthly life, 70, 80, 90 years, 100 years, that's a very short time compared to how long eternity is. Yes, for sure. We, to spend eternity in the kingdom, in the eternal kingdom, in that earthly millennial kingdom, uh, forever with the Lord and with the the saints of God, then that promise has been given that we can do that. So God has used the festivals to reveal to us his plan and his divine order. Yes. Let's talk just a second about this bonus CD that we're offering. Uh, It's just a bonus for this package. Uh, We started off talking about this angelic presence that's um, been showing up in some of your meetings and your events and your services lately. And uh, we're offering a bonus CD that you have preached a message called Restoring the Days of God's Glory. What is God's glory to you, Perry? Well, I have to tell you this, and and, uh, when we were discussing this with my office manager, it seemed like I said to him, I really feel like that this would be a message that would would resonate with the people, because that was one of those services where that, that presence came and that manifestation came. Now, a lot of people think of the glory of God and think only of a manifestation of like a pillar of cloud by day, fire by night, uh, cloven tongues of fire on Pentecost. But the the word glory uh, in the in the Old Testament uh, actually is a is a word that means weighty or heavy, and that doesn't make sense to people. They say, well, why would the glory of God be weighty or heavy? Because when the glory showed up in the temple, it says the priests could not stand on their feet to minister by reason of the glory, and the weight of God's presence was so heavy on them that it brought them uh, on their face. They just couldn't stand up. What usually happens is you end up on your knees because, you know, we've we've had it, uh, that, that glory come on several of our major conferences, and it's it you just get really in God's presence, and, and it's a searching. Uh, sure. Because the Lord wants people to bump up into new levels. He wants them to, to go from faith to faith and then from glory to glory. Right. People grow in faith, but they don't always grow from glory to glory. And so, you know, that that, that teaching, I think, is going to really, it's very deep. It's got some it revelation is. in it from Moses and from the things that Moses, when Moses' face glowed, I'm going to tell you why I think it did, you know. <laughs> uh, so, it's, it's going to be interesting, I think, for people. I hope everybody can get that. Yeah, and you know what, Perry? For most of us, I, I feel like for most of the true believers, that is a desire for us to be in that presence, to be in that glory of God. And you said, oh, wow, I love this. You said it begins with a hunger to experience it, a hunger to experience it. Wow. Will you pray for our listeners before we leave today? I sure will. I sure will. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for all those who are listening and have been listening to this program today. And my prayer is that the eyes of their understanding will be opened, that they will move into a a level of spiritual thirst and hunger for God and for the presence of God. And that, Lord, that the teaching that not only they have heard, but the teaching that they're going to receive through the ministry will, will, will cause them to say, Wow, I didn't know that. I've learned something. Yes. It's teaching me yes. through His Word. And that's why we do what we do, Lord, through this ministry, is to teach people things that they might not be familiar with. So let that teaching of the Word be strong, and let their eyes be open, and may they be blessed in the name of Yeshua. 
the Son of God. We thank you. Amen. Yes, amen. Perry, thank you so much for being with us. I'm Donna Chavis for Messianic Vision. And now here's Sid to tell you how you can get Perry's book, Breaking the Code of the Feast, his three messages on CD, and the special bonus CD. Sid? As Perry Stone breaks the codes and reveals the mysteries of the Feast of Israel, you'll see how God has actually detailed the future events. Perry explains that the feasts are both practical and prophetic. Each one contains clues pointing to the future. So be sure to get this powerful and prophetic resource from Perry Stone. It's his book, Breaking the Code of the Feast, an exclusive three-CD teaching series, Mysteries of the Feasts, which includes the biblical foundation of the feasts, the amazing festival of the first fruits, and the Day of Atonement. You'll also get Perry's free bonus CD, Revealing God's Glory. And a little P.S., this offer is worth the bonus. <laughs> the presence of God and angels shows up, all for investment of only 39 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 9556. Once again, that's offer number 9556.